Hi, this is uh, Mike Edelhart, and I'm here with another edition of Inception, our podcast about beginnings, the beginnings of new companies, new ideas in science and uh, individual health, and sometimes even a little glimpse into the future. And today I'm here with uh, one of our most interesting new uh, CEOs, Aaron Albert from Mind. Aaron, great to see you. Thanks, Mike. Uh, good to be here. And I, I appreciate uh, me personally being one of your most interesting new CEOs. I hope I live up to the uh, live up to the intro. Well, it's in part because of uh, what we hope you'll do and uh, what the company will do. And we'll talk about that. But it's in part because you have to admit you have a pretty unique background for <laughs> uh, uh, an entrepreneur coming into a health and science fund like ours, I mean, you are one of the very few uh, entrepreneurs we work with where my younger children and grandchildren were all impressed because <laughs> you were a kid actor and they remember you. And, and so how did you get, well, why don't you talk about that a little bit, just a little maybe, and how did you get from that to here? Yeah, yeah, no, great, great question. I appreciate that. Um, look, I am born and raised in LA. I you know, was in the entertainment capital of the world. And I was a crazy kid. I was like really out of control. Um, and a friend of my mom said, man, you really should get this guy into some acting classes or something so he can take out uh, the, the energy. And she did. And, um, and I loved it. And one thing led to another and, you know, started auditioning and, you know, was on the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon and, and did a bunch of stuff like that. And actually ended up going to musical theater for, uh, sorry, for to college for musical theater. And like halfway through had this realization as I saw my friends pound the pavement and get very excited about getting an agent and a manager, just how non-cumulative acting was. You know, you start over every time you finish a job and how much there was this lack of agency, right? You're constantly waiting for someone else to tell you when you can do this thing you love to do. And I didn't like that, especially because I came from a family of entrepreneurs, all four of my parents, I have two sets of parents because they're, they're divorced. Um, they're all entrepreneurs. And so it was in my blood. And so, you know, I had, as a kid, my first entrepreneurial venture was selling gag gifts, which was really big when I was in high school, like whoopee cushions and shock pens and fart spray. My dad took me to a store and said, listen, I'll make you a deal. You want to sell these? I'll put up the money and we'll split the profits 50-50. He is an entrepreneur. <laughs> so, so it was in my blood. And, uh, and post-college, um, due, to, due to what I just said, and also me having lived most of my life with an autoimmune disease, I got into the health and wellness space. I, I helped build a soul cycle competitor in New York City called Psych mm -hmm. Fitness. We expanded to eight studios around the country. And that sort of birthed my, my entrepreneurial journey. It's really fascinating the steps people go through uh, and the sort of diversity like uh, as in my family, uh, just very quick, my mom was a character actor, but didn't mm. become in New York and worked, and, but didn't become a character actor until she turned 50. My dad had passed away. I'd moved away. My younger sister's special needs were taken care of. My elderly, terrifying grandmother was so old. She wasn't so scary anymore. And my mother suddenly declared, it's my 
life's goal and dream to be an actor. She sold everything. She moved in with uh, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Anthony Michael Hall as like their housekeeper. And oh then God. started auditioning for everything in sight in Chicago and at work because she was kind of funny looking and fearless, but and lived that life, which is that the sum total of your career is sort of a working actor is the accumulation of near-death experiences you go through to get work. Uh, and, but she did it. She did it from 50 into her 80s. She worked steady. That's an amazing um, story. It's, it's really uh, uh, bizarre. So in my family, we've sort of seen that up close and personal, the sort of good side create and all that and the bad side, which is, yeah, you're always scrambling for a job. Yeah, it's funny. I'll just say one thing about that, which is, you know, when I was in college, there were some people who went down this track of we're going to be leading ladies and ingenues and, you know, or, or, or men or whatever it was. And the character actors, they would say, sometimes it would, it, it'll take you, you know, till you're 40, 50, even 60 to really make it as a character actor, which is so funny. But um, wow, what a, what a cool story. Yeah, but it is. It's a crapshoot. I mean, Hardy Samberger decides that its symbol is going to be three grandmas and suddenly my mom has two years of work. And <laughs> they decided to go in another direction. That work would have just disappeared. That's amazing. Um, but not what we're here to talk about. So let's talk about what you're doing now, because it's also rather unique. So. Uh, we're interested in mental health. A lot of folks are interested in mental health. A lot of folks recognize that there is the sort of tsunami of stress everywhere on earth these days. Um, and you and the company too, but your approach is quite unique. So let's talk about it. What are you doing and how did you get to that approach and why are you taking the yeah. approach? So the company's called Mind. Um, at a really high level, we are marrying two very emboldened industries right now. One is um, mental health, emotional wellness, and the other is the creator economy, uh, which, which might seem odd to people hearing that for the first time. But you know, to take you back, um, I have been fortunate enough to have been well-resourced when it came to my mental health. Like if I needed to see a therapist, it came from a family who could afford to send me to therapy. I lived in or live in New York, come from LA. They're the two therapy capitals of the world. I also happen to be Jewish. And so we come out of the womb, basically doing therapy the moment we, we land on earth. So I found myself about four and a half years ago in the midst of my first ever time being heartbroken as an adult living in New York City and was really in a not good spot. I mean, I, I it, it wasn't just, oh, I'm sad that I am alone. It's, I don't find myself attractive. It's, I just put my value of who I am into someone or something else. It's, I don't feel worthy or good enough, right? All of these things that maybe that permutation was unique to me, but we all go through these things in some way or, or another. And so I sort of went on the traditional journey. I tried therapy. I found therapy to be really cumbersome for a number of reasons. First and foremost being it's really expensive. It is really hard to find a great therapist and it takes a lot of time. I mean, 50 minutes once a week doesn't seem like a lot of time, but it is, it is in a fast paced world, especially living in New York city. It feels like a big commitment. And then I tried the other stuff. You know, I tried teletherapy. Um, 
I thought that, you know, I was let down by the quality of care. Um, and I tried self-help, which ultimately is what really worked the most for me. But I was spending so much time trying to piecemeal this journey together for myself. And a friend of mine who knew I was going through this sent me this video by a guy named Mark Groves, who is a relationship expert. And um, at the time, I didn't know, but had, I don't know, maybe 200,000 followers on Instagram. And I remember thinking, holy shit, how does a guy who's a relationship expert have this many followers? Which, spoiler alert, is hilarious because now he's got a million. And, uh, and so clearly the demand for, for what he's doing has grown. But I saw a video by him. And I fell in love. I was like, this guy is so good. He was, not only did I see a lot of myself in him, but he was engaging. He was real. He was effusive. He was a little edgy. He was fun. And he had this whole community of people in the comments sections, in the live streams that were so involved. And it made me feel like, wow, okay, I'm, I'm not alone. There's other people out there who are going through this. And he was the sort of conduit for these people's growth. So I ended up reaching out to him, asking him to coach me. He said, no, I said, please. He said, no, I said, please. Um, you know, through, through much persistence, he acquiesced and we ended up working together. And I started to express to him all these challenges I had a, as a consumer and my background, which shifted from working on brick and mortar health and wellness to working with founders and CEOs of wellness tech companies. And he expressed to me all these challenges he had as a content creator amidst the creator economy explosion where you have Twitch for video gamers and you got Patreon for musicians and artists and you've got OnlyFans for whatever they've decided they want to be for um, <laughs> this, week. <laughs> this week. But yeah. there was no place for these therapists or personal growth experts or coaches. And, uh, and so we knew there was, there was a real opportunity. So what MIND is at a really high level is we like to say we're creating the world's first emotional network. Um, we connect consumers with these top emotional wellness experts and community through these daily live and on-demand sessions. Um, we really sit at sort of a, a cross between, you know, a Peloton and masterclass on the consumer side, and we're really a creator tool and media company on the creator side, helping them not only engage and feel comfortable monetizing their audience, but also be able to produce really amazing content that sort of transcends the very sterile, uh, clinical uh, way that we have 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 traditionally thought of this content. Got it. So, um, how do you find these great? Uh, what would you call them? Practitioners, uh, partners. Uh, we we uh, call them experts. Um, it's our version of creator. So, how do you find these experts? I know you found somebody who has the right stuff, and then how much are you producing? So. Let's get you in front of a camera and do the right things in the right way. And how much are you uh, uh, connecting folks who do that innately to uh, uh, a population of folks they can help? How much are you a community? How much are you a content producer? And how do you find these folks? Yeah, great questions. You know, when we first started the business, luckily my co-founder is, you know, a big sort of name in the space and also is just genuinely an amazing human being. And so has created great relationships amongst um, the sort of personal growth, mental health uh, creator community. 
And so it was through a lot of his relationships that we were able to solve sort of the supply side, demand side, chicken and the egg problem at first. Um, and then we also have this wonderful woman on our team. Her name's Sherry Salata. She was the former 20-year executive producer of the Oprah Winfrey Show. She was the president of the OWN Network for a number of years. She sort of acts as a um, you know fractional executive producer for us as well. And so between their two relationships, they've been able to, to, to bring on some really great folks. You know, there's a whole vetting process that we go through. Uh, we have certain pillars that we look at. We have a board of folks that make these decisions on whether or not, you know, we think someone is up to snuff as, as you know, Mike, from being in the space, the coaching space is wildly unregulated. And so it's very hard to use one thing as a barometer to determine whether these people are, you, you know, of quality or not. And then I'm sorry, I forget the, I forget the second question you asked. Well, so, and how much are you a content producer and how much are your community? So how much are you saying to these folks, join us because all of your stuff will get better or how much are you saying, join us because you'll be in front of a much bigger universe of folks with the stuff you do that is already great. That kind of mix. Yeah. Until today, we've been much more of the, hey, come be in this centralized safe space where we're going to get you in front of the right people. Um, we've had to go out and really find folks who have had a lot of experience. That said, we do work with them. We do an entire week-long workshop on performance and coaching and marketing and branding and all that sort of stuff um, because, and we're very grateful to be able to say this, because we have raised um, our seed round, uh, which uh, you, you know, ha- hats off to, to, to you and the fund uh, for, for being a part of that. Um, we are now going to be able to support these creators beyond just, hey, we're a platform, but actually working with them to go, we are going to help you produce things that as one single person, um, you would not have the ability to do alone. And, uh, and that's in the works right now. Got it. So uh, in this, you've got fabulous folks who are good at professional at gifted at Uh, giving advice to folks. And you have folks in a tremendous need for that advice. By getting them together, how does the company make money? Yeah. So we today are a subscription service. Um, The idea is that we're really trying to make sure that at a bare minimum for, you know, less than three cups of coffee, depending on what city you live in, uh, you have access to a plethora of knowledge and information from really curated experts and a community to support you. You know, that's how we make money. We, we are essentially a SaaS product today. Over time, we will introduce additional product offerings for our consumers to be able to have, you know, more intimacy, more connection with these experts you know, without divulging too much about where we're going, really making sure that we are creating a ecosystem that is not dependent on someone having to be in one-to-one therapy every week at Monday at 6.30 or not, right? Because that is the traditional model of therapy is, hey, you're either all in or you're all out because there's a whole waiting list of people. And if you're not going to take this spot, someone else will. Um, I think we're really trying to make sure that we're there for people at the stage they need us, in the capacity they need us, 
yeah, I hope that answers that. Got it. So um, you're going to be aiming at individuals. So somebody's out there going, I feel desperate and lonely. And somehow through marketing or friends, they find you. You're going to be doing this through employers or others. Uh, um, uh, how are you going to find this audience and how much in clumps and how much individual? Yeah, so we are really bullish, Mike, on the consumer side of, of, of the market. You know, I think there's a lot of great companies who are addressing the B2B challenges. And obviously, there's a huge willingness to pay from, uh, you know, from employers. We think there's a huge white space in the consumer market. There has been no unifier of emotional wellness as you think of brands. You know, when you think of fitness and you think of things like Peloton, when you think of meditation and mindfulness and you think of things like common headspace, right? Um, there has been no unifier in the emotional wellness space. And so we're really bullish on that. One of the really unique parts of our business, right, is that we're partnering with these content creators who have these built-in oftentimes massive and very loyal followings. And so, you know, our acquisition model is really going to these folks, giving them the tools, the community, the place where they feel like they're able to run these very disparate parts of their businesses, where we're providing immense value, not only in their ability to monetize, but also in our support of their branding and their content creating and their marketing. Um, and then them generating huge awareness for us through their existing following. So that's, that's, that's really our, our strategy. Um, you know, we could talk about some of the paid stuff, but I, I think that is probably less unique to our business than sort of the aforementioned, you know, leveraging of creators. Got it. No right or wrong answer. I'm just curious. So you could have a great company. One could postulate aimed yep. just at New York or even New York to the west of the 405 or uh, I mean LA to the west of the 405 or New York Manhattan only or Manhattan and Williamsburg or something um, you could have uh, a different kind of company that's much more uh, encompassing and diverse and and I wonder about mind now and mind in the future so how much uh, thought or focus on non-traditional populations or uh, different kinds of populations because uh, you know, a depressed farmer in uh, Iowa, but different experience in almost every regard than somebody uh, who's feeling alone on the Upper East Side or uh, in Santa Monica, uh, Spanish speakers, all those kinds of things in the diversity of America and how much American and how much open to anybody who walks in the door, uh, wherever they may be. It's such a great question. I think the first thing that really advantages us is that because we're not offering therapy today, we have no restrictions as far as, you know, needing to be licensed in a certain state, right? So at a very high level, we're able to be anywhere for anyone. As we look at, you know, to your second question, how do you think about sort of diversity of population? Historically, therapy has been a very white um, and a very white, cisgendered heteronormative space. Yeah. Um, and that is something that we recognized very early. And it's something that we have been extremely proactive about. So if you look at our experts, I mean, they really range in representation. And I love this, I love this, you know, you could argue semantical 
distinction between the word diversity and representation. I think diversity is this amazing, very active word, right? But I think representation is about what exists and what exists in our world is not just white straight people, right? What exists in our world is a really eclectic, diverse mix of folks. The reason I had such a profound experience with Mark, and I said this right at the beginning, is because I saw a lot of myself in Mark. And I think one of the gifts that we're trying to give folks with mind is allowing them to see themselves in the practitioner, in the expert, in the creator. Um, because you're right, different cultures, genders, races, ethnicities, sexual orientations identify with a much different set of advice. So, you know, what resonates for me with Mark might not resonate with, you know, an Indian immigrant or what resonates, you know, Mark talks about love. We also have an amazing black transgender therapist on our platform because there's a much different set of challenges that are presented when you're talking about relationship or love. So it's something that we are very aware of. And it's something that is at the core of, of what we're trying to offer is a really representative platform. Good. Got it. Uh, so I'm just curious because you, you don't come from the sort of classic textbook, prepare yourself to be a, uh, a big time entrepreneur. Uh, and so coming to this now, uh, what about it so far, this experience so far has surprised you the most or that have you or that you have found yourself sort of the most stretched by that's uh, different than you might have anticipated it to be? I, I love that you just asked that because I think my the biggest work that I've done on myself for the last, you know, two, three years, and even before that has been a lot of the shame that I've felt around my quote unquote resume, right? I think, um, you know, you can look at the facts. It's much harder for someone with no Harvard, no Ivy League, no Twitter, no Google, no big tech company to go out there and build a successful business. I think odds are not as much in my favor. In fact, I remember a friend saying, hey, you should don't build the company, just sell the sizzle, not the steak. It's much easier to raise money that way. Guess what? For me, there was no option. Nobody was looking at me and going, oh, hey, like this guy's got such a crazy tech background that, you know what, we're going to bet on him just with an idea. I had to sell the steak. And I think there, there for a long time was a lot of shame around that and feeling, you know, not good enough and identity and, and, and all of that. I think, you know, the biggest, anyway, so th that, that has been a big thing that I've had to work on within myself as a leader, uh, you know, we all suffer from imposter syndrome, but I think, you know, making sure that I really step into who I am and, and, and what I and my team have been able to accomplish, you know, entrepreneurship is such a, a gift at the end of the day to be able to do. It's also really romanticized and glamorized by Hollywood. There are more hard days than there are days where I'm jumping for joy. And I don't think I was fully prepared for that. I think I've always kind of been a natural born leader. I thought this would happen really naturally. I think that was one really big surprising thing. I think the other thing that has been on a very positive note, really surprising is how eager people are to help. You know, I, I, I love this concept that you've got the sort of four um, happiness hormones, right? You, 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 have, um, you have oxytocin, serotonin, 
endorphins and dopamine. And there's sort of an adage that is, you know, the one time you get a hit of all four of those chemicals is when you're helping people. And, uh, and I certainly feel that when I, you know, help folks. And I think that has been such a gift is all the people who have been willing to go out of their way to be supportive of what we're doing and, and, and to lend a hand. So yeah, that's, that's my answer to that. I agree with everything you said, and it's actually something we look for. In other words, here are a bunch of folks in front of us, a set of folks in front of us. They all have great ideas and they all have interesting backgrounds. But in that set of people is a human being that because of who they are and how they act and where they're coming from and all of their experiences and all of their shortcomings and everything create circumstances where other human beings want what they want to be true, that they will follow you. There were a lot of women in France, but they weren't St. Joan. And there are a lot of folks in almost every area of entrepreneurship, but they aren't necessarily the best person, the best human entity to lead in that area in the right way right now. And some of the things you're saying uh, sound like maybe you are, we'll see, but maybe you are. And, uh, and people are lining up to help you because in part of what you're doing, but in part because it's you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you and, uh, and, and all the folks at, you know, Ataraxia and, and, uh, just believing in what we're doing and yes, you know, stay, stay, it is a stay tuned kind of thing. Absolutely. And we should probably stop there before we start becoming insufferably self-referentially patting each other on the back. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so it's great to see you. Thanks for being on. Yeah. Let's get together and do this in a year and see uh, how it all looks. We're off to a great Would start. We didn't even talk about the business side, but you're really getting a lot of people to do this as experts and uh, being helped by the experts. So uh, we're feeling very bullish on the possibilities here. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate okay. it. Talk Good to soon. see you. Take care. Bye.